It is a privilege and an honor to be home. Uh, if you will, take your Bibles with me and go to the book of Colossians. We'll get there eventually. My in-laws are like, not again, because they heard this message the other day. I was stumbling and fumbling. I didn't know what message I was going to preach, and I kept coming back to this message. So this is what you're going to get tonight out of the book of Colossians. Uh, for those of you who are not on our uh, newsletter list um, for our um, Wednesday night uh, of the missions conference, I'll be sure and get you on that list. We'll have our display and stuff up. And also, we want to get one of our new prayer cards in all of your hands. Uh, we praise the Lord uh, for all that this church does for us. Uh, put your finger there in Colossians and flip over one book. Uh, this, Paul can say it a lot better than I can myself, so I'll let Paul say it very quickly. In uh, chapter number 1, in verse number 3, Paul says, in the book of Philippians, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And I truly do. I thank my God on every remembrance of this church. This church has had an impact on my family, uh, on my grandmother, on my aunts, my uncles, uh, on my brother, on my cousins. Uh, I thank my God upon every remembrance of this church. It has had a tremendous, tremendous impact on my life. Uh, he goes on to say, always in every prayer of mine, you guys are always in our prayers, for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Uh, we get the idea of a prayer letter from this very book, uh, the book of Philippians, and it is, a, a, it is an incredible book, uh, an incredible book, but we thank you so very much for your fellowship in the gospel in our ministry. Uh, we really and truly couldn't do it uh, without, uh, without your participation. Uh, and I know that's said, but it's true. <laughs> it's said over and over again, uh, and it may come out as cliche or something like that, but it's true. Uh, we could not do what we do uh, without your fellowship in the gospel with us. And this afternoon, or this evening, uh, how many of you got a nap this afternoon? All right, the rest of you may fall asleep in my message, because Jason said you're at home, so take your time. I've been preaching out, I've been preaching at Brother Austin's church uh, in their missions conference. If you know Brother Austin, it's like, all right, you got 15 minutes and you're done. All right, you got 20 minutes and you're done. And here, it's not quite like that. Brother Austin threw some curveballs at me just last week. I had to uh, also preach in Spanish. Uh, so that was, a, that was a fun task. Uh, it, it's been six years or so, five or six years since I preached in Spanish, but we had a blast. Uh, and, um, but tonight, if you can understand anything that's going on in my head, because I have Spanish in there, and I got also in there, and I got English in there, and it's all kind of jumbled up. So if some words come out that you don't, understand, uh, I'll notice by your faces, kind of like Chris Petty's right now, <laughs> no, and I'll try to, I'll try to interpret. Uh, most people want to hear the language a little bit, so I'll just go ahead and give you a verse, uh, and I'll let my wife give you one too, how about that? <laughs> in Genesis chapter number one, verse number one, the Bible says, in the beginning God created heavens and the earth, right? Uh, and also the Bible says, uh, uh, now you know what's going on in my head. So, <laughs> uh, so um, we covet your prayers this evening. By way of introduction this evening, I want to uh, show you a video. I want to give you uh, just a little glimpse of what your fellowship in the gospel. This is kind of a prologue or a, a preamble to the missions conference, if you will. Uh, and I want you to see something uh, in this video. If Brother Cody, I told him I'd 
Uh, I'd give them a little heads up. But in this video, uh, what you're going to see... of your fellowship in the gospel. Dozens upon dozens upon all those people. Almost every one of those people in that picture, well, besides the little ones, have been saved and baptized. Have professed uh, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's because of your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And we thank you. You may not ever see those faces this side of eternity, but you're going to get to see them one day. Uh, we thank you so very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for allowing us to do what we do. Uh, here in the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians. Um, we're in the first chapter of this book. Um, you know, with uh, Facebook, 
the news, with uh, all of these social media outlets today, uh, we are quickly being programmed, we are programmed completely, uh, to avoid context. Over and over again, uh, we see glimpses of people's lives, and we see glimpses of the news, and, and, and we're completely programmed to ignore context uh, of situations. And unfortunately, as believers, we take that over to the Word of God many times. And Africa is a prime example of ignoring context. Uh, ignore or just making the Word of God say what you want it to say. Uh, I know that happens here in America as well, but uh, Africa needs our prayers, and we need laborers. Uh, pray you therefore, Lord, harvest that He will send for laborers. We're praying the Lord, as we're here on furlough, we're praying the Lord raises up some laborers. Uh, we're praying for laborers for the harvest. Uh, and we're praying for men. Uh, we are church planters. We believe the hope of the world is the local church, but more than that, so more so than that, we're uh, we're trainers. We're leader trainers because uh, Africa is really in the state it's in, not because missionaries hadn't been sent, uh, because there's tons of missionaries that have gone out, uh, but because missionaries haven't stayed. Uh, they they went in, and they preached a little bit, and got some people saved by the grace of God. And then they got out. And um, the leadership wasn't completely developed. And if you go over there, there's no shortage of churches at all, in the least. Uh, there are 496 churches applying for one piece of property a mile radius around my church. 496. But I don't know of one of them that preaches the gospel. Uh, all of them, I can't say all of them, but a great majority of them have no idea what the Bible really means. They preach Jesus, but it ain't the same Jesus. Uh, and many of them ignore, most of them, have no idea the context of scriptures. Uh, this book here, we know the context of this book. Uh, this book is written by the hand of the Apostle Paul. Uh, it says that in the very first few First few, uh, verse, first few verses here. Um, but I want, you, I want to try to put you in this story tonight to help you understand uh, the context of this, this scripture. Uh, the Apostle Paul, we know he is, the context for this comes over in the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 28, the Apostle Paul has been arrested and he's, in, he's on house arrest. He's in jail. Uh, it's not like a normal jail uh, because the, there are people around him. He's able to have visitors in there. And, uh, and if you read on in the end of this book, toward the end of this book, you'll realize that God was good to the Apostle Paul, even though he was in bondage. He, he, God blessed the Apostle Paul with having some fellowship with, with believers around him. You'll see that Dr. Luke was there. You'll see that Aristarchus was there, and Tychicus, and Timothy, his son in the faith. And as the Apostle Paul's custom was... Uh, he, he, he didn't let the circumstances dictate whether or not he was going to preach the gospel. He didn't, he didn't let the prison in which he was in dictate the gospel. He didn't let his present circumstances, as do a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people here, 
I hear today, they say, well, I can't preach it because I, I teach in this public school or I do this or I do... He, he, none of that was a factor for the Apostle Paul. None of that was, even came on his radar. He preached Jesus. It didn't matter. He was, he was continually redeeming the time because he understood that there was something coming. There was a judgment coming. And, and the Apostle Paul, while he was there in bondage, uh, you'll see at the end of this book, Onesimus came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Onesimus was from this city of Colossae. Uh, Onesimus was that runaway slave in, uh, from Philemon. And Onesimus and Aristarchus are going to deliver this message back to the, Colossi, to the Colossian believers. But Paul here, put yourself in this story. Paul is sitting maybe around a table. We don't really know the, uh, what the, how, how it was. But he was sitting there, and he's got Luke, and he's got... Timothy, and he's got all of these guys sitting around him. And, and Onesimus, when you read in chapter number 4, you can see some of their names. Tychicus and, and some of these guys, and they're all sitting around. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, in walks somebody that's very near and dear to the Apostle Paul. In walks Epaphras. In walks Epaphras. Verse number 7 says this. He says, As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. You see, Epaphras was who was thought to start, who was thought to have started this church at Colossae. What happened is this. What happened is this. Over in Acts chapter number 14, context is very important. Over in Acts chapter number 14, the Apostle Paul was preaching and teaching, and Epaphras was there. Epaphras gets saved, and what is the first thing you want to do when you get saved? I remember the first thing I wanted to do when I got saved is I went and talked to my mom. I went and talked to my daddy, and I tried to get my mom, and I actually got my mom in church uh, back in 1998. I, went, I wanted my people to have what I had. And that's what Epaphras did. Epaphras was like, he got gloriously saved, and he wanted his people to have what he had. So what did he do? He took it back to Colossae. And, and he got there in Colossae, in Colossae with these people uh, with these Colossian believe with these Colossians and all of a sudden people began to get saved and and the next thing you know by accident or on purpose I don't, we don't know but there's a church there's all these people who come into the congregation and there's a church and all of a the sudden there's there's a big church there's people that come into this congregation uh, who are very intelligent these people know all about the philosophy of the world. They know all about Jewish religion. They know about all these things. And old Epaphras is all of a sudden in over his head, as is any first-term missionary. And pray for your missionaries. Please pray for your missionaries. You know what your missionaries want to do, especially the first term? They want to run. <laughs> I'll go ahead and tell you. We all want to, we've gotten in over our heads. We're like, what in the world have I gotten myself into? I can barely speak English. You want me to speak? You see, also, I mean, what in, the, what in the world have you gotten me into? And Epaphras was just like that. But Epaphras didn't have what you and I have. He didn't have the full revelation of God. He didn't have this letter. You see, Epaphras was like, I don't know what to do. And, and fortunately, Epaphras did know what to do. And he ran to his mentor, the Apostle Paul. See, he ran, he loved, loved, loved these Colossian believers. He loved them. He loved them with all his heart. He loved them. The Bible tells us over in chapter number four, it tells us that he loved these people. He loved them dearly, he thought about them. And he, he loved them so much that he went 600 miles by foot to talk to the Apostle Paul, to, to tell the Apostle Paul of what, what was going on. And all of a sudden, he put yourself back in there. He's in Rome. 
He arrives in Rome, and the Apostle Paul and, and, uh, uh, and Luke and Aristarchus and all those people are there, and all of the sudden, in walks Epaphras. Imagine. Man, I, 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 when I got off the plane, I saw the joy on my mom's face. I saw the joy on my mom's face after some years of not seeing your children. And it's like, wow, there's Epaphras. You don't know how they're doing. You know, well, today we have Facebook and we have all these avenues. They have that. And all of a sudden, in walks Epaphras. In walks Epaphras. And I can imagine Paul is like, wow, he's just overjoyed. His son in the faith has come in. And he's like, wow, this is incredible. In his bondage, the Lord gave him something incredible. He gave him an incredible joy when that child of his walked in. But you know what? What is it really incredible is this. When he came in, he didn't come in empty-handed. The Apostle Paul came in, and I can remember, I can remember when uh, Becca and I got news that uh, we were going to have a baby. And then I can remember when it became two. <laughs> and I was like, praise the Lord, we're blessed. <laughs> no, I was very ecstatic. I was incredibly, I was like, wow, the Lord is allowing us to bring life into this world. I mean, we are created in the image of God, and He is, he is just incredible. He's an incredible God. And, and, and He allows us to have that privilege of bringing life into the world. And, and uh, I, I can remember, like yesterday, when I had the opportunity to tell my mom and my dad and my mother-in-law about the coming of grandbabies. Oh, man, that was almost as, it was almost as, as exciting as, as getting the news myself. And all the Epaphras walks in with this news of grandbabies. That's what these Colossian believers are to the Apostle Paul. They're grandbabies in the faith. And this, this afternoon, I'm bringing in news. We got something better than a sonogram today. We got video. That's grandbabies. That's, that's grandbabies. Yours. <laughs> And I'm excited to bring news of them. Their eternities have been changed because of your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. God is good. And that news came right when the Apostle Paul needed it. He was in that bondage. And he's like, I have joy unspeakable and full of glory. And it comes when you do what you know to do in those hard times. When you do what you know to do, and in those hard times, man, God will pour it on you. He'll give it to you right when you need it. But in walks Epaphras. This letter, and I'm almost done with my introduction. <laughs> give me 10, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, and we will start preaching. No, I'm just kidding. In walks Epaphras, and the Apostle Paul hears that, man, there are children. There are grandchildren. There are grandchildren in the faith. And, and the Apostle Paul writes this, and this is basically, what this is, is basically a love letter to grandkids. Look at it as a love letter from a grandfather to his grandchildren. Inspired by God Almighty, but he, is, he loves them. And he's like, listen, there's some craziness going on in the church, but man, I'm so proud of you. Man, I'm so in love with you. And he says it in the very first few verses. He says, I hear about how much you love one another. And because of that, I know you're part of my family. And we're part of his family. Because you have a love one for another. And he says, he says, I 
I, I love you. And he says that in the first few verses. I want to break this first chapter down for you, and we're going to focus in on the last six verses or so. But in the first of it, Paul uh, clarifies who he is to his grandchildren. He is an apostle. And what he's, what he's saying by that is, the words that are about to come are not my words. He's talking to his grandchildren, and he's like, listen, I'm about to tell you some stuff, and it's going to change your life. But remember this, I'm an apostle, and the words that I speak, they're not my words, they're God's. And these are God Almighty's words. They're not suggestions. They're not, they're not here, you, you can take it or leave it kind of things. No, they're God Almighty's words. And, and remember that as you read this love letter that I'm about to write to you. And then he goes on from first, verse, number third, verse number 3 to verse number 14, and he begins to praise them. He begins to thank the God of heaven, which every grandparent should do. Every grandparent should thank the God of heaven for some grandchildren, for some for some spiritual grandchildren, for some physical grandchildren, for some spiritual grandchildren. And every grandparent should impart to their grandchildren. Yeah, it's the, yes, it is the responsibility of the Father. And that's where I was going to go. I was going to go to Colossians chapter 3. That's why I was so hard. I didn't know what I was going to preach because I was going to preach on authority in the family. And I was like, dear Lord, don't put that on my heart. <laughs> but, but we're here in the beginning. <laughs> but every grandparent should impart to their grandchildren wisdom and you have some and they need it and that Paul's like here it is I love you I thank God for you and then he goes on to talk about in whom they have believed in verse number 15 through verse number 23 he's talking about the God in whom these people have believed is the creator of the universe he's preeminent he's over everything he is he is that one in Genesis chapter number one that spoke by the Jesus the one in which they believed they didn't believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. They were Gnostics. They were too smart. These people had been educated. And they believed in Jesus as the Son of God, but they didn't believe in Him as God. And Jesus Christ tonight is God. And, he, 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 and Paul is telling these people, telling these grandchildren, he's like, listen, do not believe the heresies that you, that you, that you hear. And I saw on the way in this, this afternoon, the Jehovah Witness Church is, I mean, just packed. Don't believe the heresies that, that come in the church. Jesus Christ is God. And He created everything. And He created you anew and afresh. And He created me anew and afresh. That's how He's able to do it because He's God. And, and I am not who I used to be. And you're not who you used to be. And the Apostle Paul is telling him, I'm not who, you are, who I used to be. And that's where we're at tonight. This, that's the context of what we're going to see tonight. In verse number 24. Verse number 24, he says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of, his, of the mysteries among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in your mighty. I'm, very quickly, give me ten minutes, and I'm going to try to finish. Amen? Brother Wayne says that. And, yeah, we won't go there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the first two verses, the first two verses, 
Paul is, all these verses, he is telling his grandchildren who he is now. He's not who he used to be on that Acts, on that road to Damascus, Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter number 9, he's knocked down on his back. And, and as, uh, as any of us do, when, when we're presented with who we are, our condition before a holy, just God, Paul trembled at, at who he was before a holy and just God, and his response was, what shall I do? <laughs> and, and God said, all right, that's the response I need. And that's the response he needs from you tonight if you're not saved. You are in a terrible condition. You're not for God. You're against God. The wrath of God abides on your head, the Bible teaches. If you're, if you're not a child of God, you are condemned already, the Bible says. Jesus came to save you. He came to give you life in Jesus Christ. It is only by the blood of Jesus Christ that you can have remission or you can have forgiveness of sin. And that's what Colossians chapter number, Daryl, uh, where Daryl was this morning, I believe I heard. It, it's only by His blood that you may be cleansed of all un, unrighteousness. In Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 14, it says this. He says, In whom you have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. And Paul says here, he says, I am not who I used to be. I am now a minister, as is every one of us tonight. If you are a born, blood-bought believer, you are no longer your own. You are a member of this local assembly. You are a blessing. You are, you are given as a gift to the church. Just as the Apostle Paul was, you are. You, you're not an apostle, but you have a part in this local assembly. You're not just saved just to be saved. We know this. We hear it all the time. He says, and I fill up that which is behind of, of the affliction of Christ in my flesh for His body's sake. Now that sounds a little weird. It sounds like, wow, Christ's sufferings weren't sufficient. But that's not at all what it's saying. That, uh, we just read where Christ is the only thing that can save us from our sin. His blood. What it's saying there is, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. As, as believers, and I'm going to focus in on this a little bit on the missions conference, so you just come on back for missions conference and we'll skip this point, but you're going to suffer. Uh, you're made a minister. And the reason you're going to suffer is very simple, because Christ is in you. You remember what happened to Jesus, right? He hung on a cross. They hate Him. It ain't like uh, they, they kind of like Him. Oh, he's a good guy. If they kind of like him, he's a good guy. It's another Jesus. The world hates the God that lives within you. The world hates them. They're at enmity. They're, they're enemies with the God that's within you. That's why they're going to hate you. And the more they see him, the more they're going to hate you. Hmm, that's a, that is a crazy message. <laughs> I'll expound on that during... And I'll expound on how that is a blessing during the missions conference. Come back. Because it is an incredible blessing. And I want to share some stories with you, but I don't have time. Because they're incredible stories. But let's go on down. You are, he's telling them, I am not who I used to be. I'm now a minister of suffering. A minister of righteousness. Verse number 26. We'll focus in on this very quickly. Even the mystery which hath been hid from the ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to His saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What he's telling his grandchildren this, is this. You are privileged. That's what he's telling them in those two verses. I don't know if you understand what he's saying, and I'm going to try to very quickly show you. But he's saying, 
you are very, very, very privileged. You're very privileged. You see, these Old Testament saints, <laughs> angels desire what, to see what you understand. You're privileged. These Old Testament saints, he's talking about this mystery that he's talking about here in these two verses, of course, is the church. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, in the Old Testament times, in the Old Testament times, there were very, very select few people that got to experience the presence of God. Very, very select. None of us would have. How many Jews we got in here? And even if you were a Jew, you, you probably weren't one of those elect that would be going into the Holy of Holies. You probably weren't one of the, I wouldn't have been. I definitely wouldn't have been. But there was only a very, very select few people that got to experience the very presence of God Almighty, but you have Him living within you. You have the hope of glory within you. And you are privileged. You are very, very, very privileged. And I tell this little silly illustration on my wife. <laughs> I'm going to tell it again, baby. <laughs> Mark pointed it out. How many of you know Mark? My cousin Mark Coffey? Yeah. Vernella's son. Mark pointed out that my, my wife gave her testimony in, in South Africa. <laughs> she was giving her testimony at church. And, you know, my wife's a nurse. She graduated from Pensacola uh, with a nursing degree. And she, when she gave her testimony, she said, uh, you know, I, 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 I was in school and I was, I was studying to be a nurse. And, and my intentions were to marry a doctor. And, and I got Jeremy. <laughs> oh, baby. I'm sorry, I used you again. <laughs> but, uh, no, that's out of context. Context is king. <laughs> we won't tell you the rest of the context, though, because then it won't be funny. <laughs> but, uh, you know something? You are, do you understand? You understand and know things doctors don't know. Psychiatrists don't know. I'm an alcoholic. Didn't you know that? No, I'm not. I'm a new creature in Christ. The world would tell you I'm an alcoholic. To this day, I'd tell you I'm a new creature. The world tells you you need this pill or that pill. We have truth. We know the stem and the root. We don't like it sometimes. We don't like what we like to hear. But man, you understand things. <laughs> Doctor ain't got nothing on me. It ain't because I speak three languages. It's because I have the hope of glory within me. It's because you have the hope of glory within you. And you are privileged. You are privileged. And when you see these people on this screen, and most people would count them as underprivileged people, because, you know, when you, when you, when you, when you <laughs> go over there and it breaks your heart, you go over there and your eye will affect your heart. I invite you all to come over, but when you don't get to eat meat, but once a week, maybe. Once a week. When you, when you, you live in a household with nine other people and none of them are your father or your mother. You say, I work with these young men and these young women, and Cody, can you put up that picture of the young men? Not the ladies. There we go. These young men here, I mean, Olisi, he's 33. He's the one that we're kind of prepping for the church. 
He's a little older. But the rest of these young men, 15, 16, that young man next to me in the red, in the red jacket right there, how old do you think he is? He looks about 10, 12, 16. Malnutrition, AIDS, tuberculosis. I got girls, little girls who, who are scared to get baptized, not because of getting baptized, but because they don't want to get cold because they have AIDS and tuberculosis. They don't eat meat. They don't have that. All of those. Not one of those. Not one of those guys, young men right there, grew up with a dad in the house. Not one. I don't know how many of them, maybe a half or 40% of them have a mama at home. You and me, we look at them and we say, man, underprivileged kids. No, 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 no. They have the hope of glory. They have the king of kings living within them. It's because of your fellowship. <laughs> they have something, understanding, they may not have it all right now, they're going to get there. Doctors and lawyers and nurses and, and psychiatrists will not be able to explain because they have the hope of glory. They are privileged. It may not look like it on this side of eternity, but Paul just got through telling these Colossians, man, they're children of the king. <laughs> and we are children of the king. But remember, church, I'll close with this. With great privilege comes great responsibility. With privilege comes responsibility. Jesus Himself said it. With privilege comes great responsibility. Look right here in verse number 28. Verse number 28 says, Whom we preach, warning every man, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to His working, which worketh in me mightily. Church, it's time to wake up. He's coming soon. Whom we preach, we must preach. Here's the responsibility. We must preach. You ain't going to be able to blame it on a call. Preach Jesus. Preach Jesus. Whom we preach. How shall they hear without a preacher? Preach Jesus. Preach Jesus. Whom we preach. Warning every man. That's the message. It's a message of warning. They are condemned already. Jesus said it in John chapter 3, number, verse number 17, 18. They're already condemned. They had the condemnation, the wrath. We warn them of the judgment that lies over their head. We preach good news. Jesus came to seek and to save. We preach Jesus. We want to present every man perfect. Every man perfect. Every man mature. In few words, every man ready to meet his maker. Every single one of them. 
It doesn't matter if you're like the Apostle Paul and you're preaching in Caesar's household right here because he was in bondage. He was in bondage and, and there was people that came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in Caesar's household up here. People up here, it doesn't matter if you're in a shack in the middle of South Africa. God is not willing that any should perish and all should come to repentance. And it's your responsibility. He speaks this to your shame that people don't know Jesus. He speaks this to my shame. He's putting everything that we need within us. We have the hope of glory within us. It is our responsibility to let it shine. You know that old kid song. Let it shine. Let it shine. Quit using excuses. We got every kind of excuse that you can come up with. I'm not called to preach. (laughs) Are you a believer? Are you a believer? Yes, you are. Are you a believer tonight? When's the last time you preached Jesus? You have the hope of glory. I have the hope of glory within me. With great privilege comes great responsibility. And when you do this thing, when you preach, I want to read this because I don't want to mess it up. Many times we get weary in well-doing. We slack off or we quit because we don't see results. This story reminds us to keep going. To keep going. We keep preaching. We keep teaching. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. They just kept preaching and kept teaching, kept preaching and kept teaching. They kept digging. They kept digging and kept sowing and kept watering and kept digging and kept sowing and kept watering. In God's time, it happened. It was years later before Paul saw the fruit. It was years later, Paul trusted the process and fulfilled his responsibility. And as a result, he was full of joy in the most desperate time in his life. Preach Jesus. And in those most desperate times, it's it's just an effect that God does, because God's good. (laughs) In those most desperate times in life, all of a sudden an Epaphras will show up with some good news. Glory to God. It's worth it. Glory to God. It's worth it. It's your responsibility. As church. You are privileged people. I'm a privileged person. I'm a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I am not who I used to be. I'm a new creature in Christ. You are too. <laughs> and it's all by God's amazing grace. Amen. Thank you, church, for allowing us to do what we do. Thank you for your fellowship in the gospel on the behalf of some little Africans. Let's pray. Father God, I love you. I thank you. I praise you for your word. I pray to God now that you would use your words. May the words that I have spoken God, may they come across as words of love. I don't want to miscommunicate anything, Lord. I want your, your spirit to work in our hearts and our lives. Pray to God that you'd use this service, use this message to change hearts, change lives. Remind us of our responsibility. Remind us of how good you are to us. You've given us purpose. 
You've given us new life. God, we're not worthy to have what we have. 